Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? We're back with another episode of Rest of the West. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. And joining me today is my very good friend, Kyle Posey. Kyle, what's going on? Not much, Mike. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm excited about this. Um, for you guys who don't know, uh, Matthew Stanley, my my former co-host, he'll be back in a couple weeks, currently just taking a, a little leave of absence in case any of you guys were wondering. Uh, he's just taking some personal time, nothing big about that. He's going to come back bigger, faster, stronger, all that stuff that we want from him. But in the meantime, we've got KP here. Um, fantastic guy. If you guys follow him on Twitter at KP show, um, he's a hoot and a half, um, never a dull moment with him on the Twitter sphere. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at zone tracks. Um, we do a lot of different stuff, um, especially come, uh, draft time, excuse me. But for the rest of the season, it is obviously all chargers. Um, first off, it was a big day. It was, uh, the trade deadline, um, ended at 4 PM Eastern today. And, Wow, there were a lot of trades. Um, one specifically uh, in the AFC West involving an AFC West player, and that was that the Broncos traded Demarius Thomas, the 30-year-old receiver, for a fourth and a seventh round pick to Houston. And the Broncos also gave their seventh round to um, the Texans in that trade. Um, pretty big. I mean, Demarius Thomas has been a Bronco receiver for a very long time, uh, long time been one of the best at his job. Um, obviously won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning and was part of those receiver cores that had Eric Decker and Emmanuel Sanders and even Wes Walker for a little bit. But um, what did you think of this trade? I mean, was it a huge surprise? Is it, you know, really hard to fathom? Were you not surprised? Uh, just, you know, give me your gut reaction. 
Yeah, so my initial reaction was, dang, he, like, really went for nothing. Like, Demarius Thomas, who's, like, quote-unquote prominent receiver, like, everybody knows him. He's a good receiver. Went for nothing, even as a rental. So I was kind of surprised about that. But I think we, we kind of heard for the last week or so that Thomas was going to be moved. So I don't think it's too surprising. Uh, the Texans, it was a surprising land point, though, just because we, we a lot of people thought they were trying to replace, like, Will Fuller. So by doing that, get, like, a deep threat. And Demarius Thomas is, like, super fast, mm-hmm. crazy fast. But he's not exactly a, a vertical threat guy like uh, – a lot of people thought they'd go get Deshaun Jackson. That's what I thought, too. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works. And then, obviously, in, for the Broncos, I mean, it just got worse, obviously. And they also – but it'll be interesting to see how Cortland Sutton goes. Um, have you got a, Have you had a chance to watch Sutton this year at all? I haven't gotten to watch a ton of Sutton. I know watching him from, uh, you know, pre-draft. Uh, big body receiver, obviously someone that – looked the part of a Demarius Thomas, obviously, a big-time receiver, red zone threat, um, could virtually still do it all. He wasn't just a one-trick pony, and I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm always excited to see um, big-time high draft picks get their turn when it comes to their team because a lot of them get drafted, you know, and, and in a position where on that team they already have one, two, three prominent people at that position, and they've kind of, you know, got to wait their turn, and, and then stuff like this happens where – uh, one of those people in front of him gets traded or moved on, and then it's time to set, you know, X player free. So a lot of people are talking about it's time to set Cor- or set Cortland Sutton free to see what he's got. Um, and I'm super excited about that. And another thing I'm excited about is uh, now the number three wide receiver behind Sutton and Sanders should be Deshaun Hamilton. And I don't know if you watched him at all, uh, you know, before the draft or at all this season. I know he hasn't had a ton of looks or production at all. Um, being fourth or fifth on that receiving depth chart. But Deshaun was arguably one of the top route runners in the entire uh, draft. He was absolutely phenomenal. He tore up Mobile when I was down there watching. Um, I know some of my good friends um, that I wrote with for a couple other websites were huge on Deshaun Hamilton, and it's it's awesome to see him finally uh, possibly get a chance with Sutton and Sanders. Um, but did you ever – Watch anything of this Deshaun Hamilton guy? Oh yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched quite a bit of him. I remember, as you fellow Iowa fan, a fellow, but he uh, uh, he ate up Josh Jackson so. pretty good. Um, he he beat uh, Josh Jackson in the slot probably about four or five times where he he had it bad, like hopping him the other way. So yeah, you you uh, you hit the nail on the head there when it comes to just route running. So it'll be interesting to see how like how they use him now moving forward. Yeah, no, most definitely. And obviously they got their uh, their two young backs, um, Royce Freeman, Lindsey, and, and Booker still there. So the offense isn't – I'm not going to say it's horrible. I mean, it's not horrible because before they traded Demarius Thomas, you still had two of the three prominent receivers that Peyton Manning had when he set the passing record. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, you know, he had a different running back in Sean Marino. But um, one thing that's really set this team back is – obviously Case Keenum, and we'll get back to Case Keenum when we talk about the Broncos-Chiefs game, so I want to leave that for a little bit later. Um, But, yeah, big news, big trade. DT's now in Houston in a a wide receiver core that already has DeAndre Hopkins and now uh, Kiki QT, who's a rookie out of Texas Tech, who I think now is going to be that deep threat um, that they need to replace Will Fuller. And Demarius Thomas is just hopefully going to do what uh, he used to do best when he had a competent quarterback to throw him the ball. So, 
Um, extremely exciting to see how that works out. Deshaun Watson obviously being a, an extremely exciting young quarterback and uh, someone people thought was obviously going to be a potential MVP candidate this year and maybe in the near future as well. Um, but moving on, let's just talk about the Raiders. And they've been our favorites, basically, but of every joke you could possibly think of um, in the NFL this year. Obviously, the, the Gruden debacle has been nothing but the juiciest of fruits for our humor if you're not a Raiders fan. Um, they lost to the Colts uh, pretty badly, 42-28. to 28. Again, that defense looking like you can't stop a toy train. You know, on its tracks. I don't know. It's it's something else. There's not a lot of bright spots on that defense. They lost 42-28. Uh, David Carr, not a bad day. 21-28, 244, three touchdowns. I think he had a, a touchdown on QB sneak as well. So not a bad day for Carr. Um, but they lost Marshawn Lynch. They put him on IR prior to this game. Um, Doug Martin got the lion's share of the carries, but it was just 13 for 72, which is not a bad outing. Um, he lost a fumble when Darius Leonard, a rookie, uh, linebacker for the Colts, just smacked the shit out of the ball straight out of his hands. Hell of a play if you guys haven't seen it. I know it was making the rounds on social media. Um, it was fabulous. Um, as far as receivers, um, obviously Amari Cooper. They traded him away to the Dallas Cowboys for a first, which is oh so sweet. Um, cannot believe it. A first for Amari Cooper. I mean, and this happened you know about a week or so ago, a week and a half ago. Um, so it might be old news now, but, you know, we haven't had a podcast. So let's talk about it right now. Just real quick, your thoughts on that Amari Cooper trade uh, to the Dallas Cowboys for a first-round pick. That's definitely good on Oakland to get a first back for him, man. Um, yeah. You're seeing, like, all these reports saying they were the only ones that offered a first and everybody else was, like, thinking third. So, I mean, from Oakland's behalf, that's uh, good on them. Obviously, they're going to suffer even more now, and we saw that last week. But um, just just getting some, just getting that compensation for Amari, that's that's uh, that's really good. So they're they might they're going to be loaded if they keep losing out on the top. Like they'll have a chance for like three top twenty picks or something like that, right? Yeah, no, I think after this trade, that is three picks in the first round. So, and I mean like true first round picks. This isn't like a Brown situation where. Uh, two years ago, they traded up at the end of the first to grab yeah. David and Joku or something like that because they had all that firepower. This is three true picks, and their picks are going to be from the Cowboys, which still may be a you know a ten to fifteen pick. Their picks obviously potentially could be a top five pick if they really tank this thing. And then the Bears, I could easily see or easily see it be between that sixteen to twenty one, twenty two range. So I mean, that's some firepower. If uh, if you ever had it in the draft, um, crazy, absolutely crazy. Maybe this tank will be worth it. Um, but in in their first game without Amari Cooper, um, they, people wondered who they were going to throw the ball to. Um, obviously, they have Jared Cook. He's been on a pretty good tear this week, or not excuse me, this week, uh, but the season in general. Um, this week, he did have four catches, seventy four yards, and one of those three touchdowns by Carr. Um, Seth Roberts, another you know wide receiver three kind of guy. He got in on the action, and then. Um, this was hilarious because I didn't realize he was on the Raiders and neither did other people when I told them about it. But Brandon LaFell caught a touchdown and I uh, didn't know that he was anywhere. Actually, I kind of forgot he was a person. So good on Brandon LaFell to uh, make some sort of an impact <laughs> on this game. But again, I mean, the Colts don't have the greatest of uh, defenses. So the Raiders were still able to score points. 
but um, I'd like to see them try that on any other um, normal, let's just say above average defense. Um, right now, uh, looking forward though, Broncos, you still kind of feel like top five pick is uh, it's kind of where they're headed. Oh, as far as the Broncos go, for sure. Yeah, they're gonna. No, though. So did I say yeah. Broncos? I oh, meant Raiders. Yeah. Excuse the, me. The, Ra- Raiders. I, the Raiders are a lock for that. They um so we haven't even got to so the first of all the Colts defense is or sorry the Colts offense is below average like they're not a good offense and it's really the Andrew Luck show and nobody else mm-hmm. quietly I don't think Quentin Nelson has been good this year I'm not I every time they they come on it seems like he's getting beat <laughs> have you heard anything about that because he was the golden child coming into the draft, like he was untouchable, mm-hmm. but from everything that I've seen, I've I've been like blah average. And obviously, there's some really good plays, but you uh, nobody ever tweets the bad plays of him, and they're out there because I I've seen them shared in private. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll be totally honest. Uh, he hasn't been nearly as you know amazing as the second coming of Jesus on the football field sort of player. He was never young. Um, for what it's worth, I know <laughs> for, uh, you know, for, for what it matters. And I know, um, you take PFF grades with a, a grain of salt as always. Um, he currently sits at the 25th guard in the NFL right now. He's got a grade of 66.8, which I think just fits in their above average category. Um, but I know he made this week's team of the week, uh, with a fairly high grade, um, but I know what you're talking about. The bad plays are there. I have seen those bad plays. And to be totally honest, I can't um, defend them. I can't. They're just bad plays. And uh, um, he isn't as impervious to criticism and, um, you know, negative play like we all thought. So um, I'll give it to you. Most definitely. Um, he had a 78.4 grade. Um, which somehow was good enough to put him on the PFF team of the week. So, um, but I know what you're saying. So this defense, remember, so this Colts, uh, we're going to talk about how bad the Oakland defense is. The Colts put up 42 points um, on this team, and the Colts are playing with, uh, they still have T.Y. Hilton, but he only had one catch for 34 yards. They got Jack Doyle back, and he was kind of his normal self. Andrew Luck loves him some uh, Jack Doyle. And a familiar name in this game is uh, Dontrell yeah. Inman. So if you guys remember, traded to the Bears last year for a sixth-round pick in the middle of the season. It was like the first time the Chargers had made a trade in season since the Chris Chambers trade in 2002. Um, he had six catches for 52 yards um, on seven targets. Not a bad outing. I, you know, He wasn't the worst of receivers uh, with the Chargers. He still had that year when Keenan was out. He had over 800 yards receiving. He was... You know, a poor man's Roddy White, maybe you want to call it. I don't know. Um, one too bad. It was mostly used for blocking on one receiver sets, but found his way to the, the Colts and is actually doing fairly well for himself. Um, but then look at these other names. I mean, the, the Colts are using receivers like Pascal, Zach Pascal. No idea who he is. They um, got a touchdown pass from Mo Alley Cox. And if you don't know who Mo Alley Cox is, he is a former basketball player from the, I believe, the University of Texas or Baylor, I'm not entirely sure, but he's one of those basketball to to football converts trying to be the next Antonio Gates. Antonio um, Gates also played basketball. Yes, Antonio Gates also played basketball. Um, there's been a plethora of these guys, Rico Gathers, Molly Cox person, um, a lot of guys uh, 
Obviously, still trying to make that transition. But anyway, point stands, the Indianapolis receiving core isn't up there. It isn't up there at all. And the Colts somehow found a way to put up 42 on this John Gruden-led defense. Um, so, yes, the answer to the question is, uh, John Gruden bad? Are the Raiders bad? Yeah, they are that. I mean, there's really no arguing that. Um, and it is still super fun to watch each week as the uh, the Gruden mess becomes more and more. And, Kyle, I don't know if you ever saw it, but do you see that Raiders fans made a website that says, is John Gruden gone wow. yet? Wow. So there's a website. I believe it's I believe it's literally called "Is John Gruden Gone Yet?" And um, you click on it, and it's literally just a timer that has oh, his <laughs> time left on his timer, and it just says "No, it's not gone." And then the timer. So in ten years, that thing or whenever I guess he actually goes, um, they're going to uh, change the website. So there's something else, but we got to move on and. Um, talk about something probably worth uh you know worth our time so the other game was the uh broncos chiefs uh, makes it a lot easier that two of the other two uh divisional teams played each other and for the second time this year the broncos played the chiefs well um you know the the chiefs still scored 30 plus points but the broncos you know kept it close this was only a seven point game um case keenum Played all right, 23-34, 262, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, Keenum's still kind of who he has been this whole season. He hasn't gone a game without throwing an interception, um, which is crazy to me. I mean, to just never go through a game without making a mistake like that is is absolutely insane. He's nowhere near uh, who we wanted him to be uh, coming over from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Phil Lindsay had another really good game, um, 18 for 95 and one touchdown. He's been a hell of a player for uh the broncos obviously a hometown boy was undrafted out of the university of colorado boulder um outplaying the crap out of uh royce freeman who was their third round pick running back out of oregon um corlin sutton led them in receiving three catches for 78 yards emmanuel sanders four for 57 and in his last game in a broncos uniform demarius thomas three catches for 30 yards defensively not a ton to go around there uh bradley chubb and von miller both combined uh for a sack and a couple tackles for laws from each of them as well. Um, what do you think? I mean, did you watch any of this yeah, game I did, at all, definitely. Kyle? Um, I love watching just the Chiefs offense. So I, I check that. I check um, all their games out. But man, speaking of Lindsey, he's so fast. Like he moves. He can move at full speed and like make these different cuts, like in different directions. He's so agile as well. It's crazy to watch him run. He's going to be very, very good. And he just he just brings another level that just Freeman can't offer. Which is crazy because everyone went in thinking like this is going to be Freeman's breakout year, but uh, there is Lindsey. But I definitely did. Case Keenum's up. He's just not good, man. He's not very good. I am surprised that they really thought they can get the you know just have him recreate what happened last year. Um, besides that, what else did I see from that game? It looked like it honestly looks like some of their defense like quit. Like watching Roby, it looked like Roby's just so deflated and just kinda half assing it out there, not really even trying. That's uh that was actually a, a pretty big takeaway from seeing that. Yeah, man, that Broncos offense, it's I know their fans are probably hurting because they see the firepower and the and the skill positions that they have. The defense obviously isn't what it once used to be, but it's not a bad defense. It obviously can uh limit the damage Pat Mahomes usually did. I mean, I don't 
remember exactly. I think he might have had one touchdown against them in the first matchup. I thought he had zero possibly, and he had that run rushing touchdown, if I remember correctly. But this game, I mean, he still broke out uh, four touchdowns, did throw one of his rare interceptions, 24-34 for 303, um, another 300-yard game. I think every year, every game so far this year, um, Mahomes has crossed that 300-yard passing plateau. Um, I think that puts him at, I want to say, 26 touchdowns on the year. He had 22 going in, plus the four makes him 26. Obviously, that's him on pace for 52 touchdowns this year. And he also leads the NFL in passing with, I believe, uh, just under 2,600 passing yards for the season. Just just abs- absolutely astounding. I mean, there's not many words for it, what we're seeing. And the funniest thing is, is if you were a fan of Mahomes in the draft and um, everyone wanted him on their team, and you know, obviously he sat behind uh, for a year behind Alex Smith. And going in this year, yeah, the, uh, the hopes and the expectations for Mahomes were sky high. But I think he's just blown by all those expectations. They were sky high, and he just didn't matter. He just did better. Um, this is like a fever dream for anyone who thought, who thought Mahomes was going to be the greatest thing ever because he kind of has been. Um, and you loved him. I remember it was your article. You did one about Patrick Mahomes, and you sold me, man. I, I'll be totally honest. Um, you were the first to get me on uh, the Mahomes train, and quite frankly, haven't looked back. Mahomes was um, one of those things where talk you to- could kind of see, like, what people knew, like, the people that always speak about quarterbacks, I think it's pretty obvious that not everybody knows exactly what they're talking about. So when Mahomes, I think he was a perfect example of seeing like true evaluators of talent because he, he, he had obvious talent and he obviously went outside of his like. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another, seems smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. went outside of like the, the structure of the play to do what he had to do, knowing that if he didn't like do what he could, like he, they weren't going to win. And it was so, it was so clear when you watch that, that he was going, he was being extra, but extra on purpose. And people were ignoring like the, the plays that he's making today was like, well, those were the same plays that he was making in college. You just like, people would focus on the turnovers and, and not like, his crazy rocket arm or his accuracy, which is like probably his biggest slept on target. Like his ball placement is amazing. It always has been. It was, it was weird that like we didn't, we didn't like go goo goo gaga like we would over like an Andrew Luck or like a prospect that we know is safe, but good. That, uh, that was pretty interesting to me. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what I see and, and think of when I watch Patrick Mahomes play. And, and this goes back to him at Texas tech. Um, I don't know if you, growing up, had like a basketball hoop 
or something in your driveway. And we obviously know, you know, basketball hoops in our driveway, they aren't like regulation. They aren't um, perfect in terms of how it's set up, whatever. But we spend enough time out there shooting shot after shot. We get pretty good at like our specific hoop. Like I remember mine was only nine feet tall, but I would just go out there and mess around. And I, I shot a lot of shots and I do off balance, crazy weird shots. But I always knew how to get the ball to go in the hoop no matter what I was doing. I don't care how crazy the shot was, but I was just so used to this hoop. I knew how it worked, what I needed to do, and all this stuff. And I know that might sound like a weird story, but that's what I think about when I watch Patrick Mahomes play football. He is so comfortable with his abilities and how he can do things. And so these all these off-balance throws, off-script plays, him just being astounding, the switch the ball to the left hand to shovel pass it to Tyreek Hill, you know, for a first down. These kind of plays, like, again, off balance, off his back foot, going one direction, thrown across his body the other direction, and he just knows the elbow's not, you know, in perfect position. He's not thrown across his – like, you know what I'm saying. There are no quarterback fundamentals half the time when he makes these throws, but he just knows, oh, I can tell how fast he's going. I know the angle which I need to throw this ball – and I can make my arm do that. He just is so comfortable and so good at making these throws, all kinds of throws. That doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. He can just do it. And he's that confident and that good in his abilities. And we're seeing it. I mean, it's real. Um, people gawk at his off-script plays all the time. It's absolutely amazing. I hope my story wasn't no, totally you, confusing. You, but it's just like a kid who has put his... No, I was just going to say, going. like, imagine... Everything that we've seen and take into account that this dude hasn't even played 10 games in the NFL. So crazy. No, it's, it's absolutely crazy. We're, I think as much publicity as he's getting, I still don't think he's getting enough publicity. It's just, it's like a dude, um, playing street ball, whether it's basketball, street football, whatever you want to call it. I mean, a guy who's just a player doesn't even matter what it is. Guys who, you're like, uh, you know, Melvin Ingram wants to say he can play all these different positions because he thinks he's, he's just an athlete. He's just a good football player. He's not just a good defensive end or, or whatever that may be. It's just people who are good at the game of football, period. Um, there's nothing, no buts, no specifics. It's just that's who he is. Um, and I know we can go on and on about this, but let's just get to the rest of the Kansas City Chiefs and what happened in this game. Um, Kareem Hunt. 16 carries, 50 yards, not the most productive outing on the ground. But he did have five catches through the air for 36 yards and a really cool touchdown. I don't know if you saw this, but it was on a shovel pass option play. Um, he hits Kareem Hunt, and Hunt does yeah. another hurdle. It's just kind of a weekly thing now. Kareem Hunt just hurdles a dude. And the thing is, it's not even hurdles that he gets a good angle, good velocity, like hurdles him efficiently. and then can hit the ground running and continue like unimpeded. It's like a jump as high as he can to get over this dude. And, you know, he's free. He's free to get his, you know, his ass kicked. Someone to smack him in the mouth on his way down or anything like that. But it's like the second his foot touches the ground again, he's just as strong and as uh, powerful as he was, you know, prior to the jump. It's just, it's absolutely insane. I mean, he had no momentum and he just needed to hit the ground for a split second to put his foot in the dirt and get north and south, and he somehow found his way into the end zone again. It's, man, it's crazy um, what he can do 
week after week. He doesn't even need the numbers. He's really a player that the numbers don't tell the whole story of just how impactful he is uh, for this team outside of Patrick Mahomes. Um, oh, you saw for sure. Play, yeah, that right? was crazy. Like, at first, I didn't even know that he was that close to the end zone. But after that, after like I saw, I was like, oh, my God, of course he scored. But yeah, it was just one of those ridiculous plays. That was another guy in college that it was pretty – like this. he just never went down. He honestly – there were so many runs where it looked like a highlight tape. It was so weird that that was just that easy for him. So naturally, it converts into the NFL. Like his balance is unreal. Man, I mean, talking about contact balance, him, Alvin Kamara, not the largest guys. They don't have to be huge, two hundred and thirty plus pound backs. I mean, it's it's just absolutely incredible to see these guys take the hits from defensive players and. Just you almost got to slow it down to really see the gritty details of it, but how they contort their bodies to to brace for impact, to have the least amount of force applied to their body, so they're not knocked back off their tracks. I mean, it it really gets to um, it really gets down and dirty into these finite details of um, how they take these hits, and it's absolutely crazy. You can you know say guys, oh a guy's just strong, oh a guy's just big. Um, no, there's like little things that they do to to minimize how much contact these defenders make with them and to continue about as unimpeded as they possibly can. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen that from uh, from these two guys. Um, real quick, receivers. Watkins had a big day. Uh, eight for 107, two touchdowns. You know, he's not going to be the main guy. But when they shut down Hill, obviously he only had three for 70. Um, Watkins is just as uh, dangerous. As a you know, a number two guy to Hill um, again, eight for one hundred seven, two touchdowns. Kelsey, uh, top two tight end in the league, obviously six for seventy nine and one touchdown. He was his normal self, um, reliable, did the dirty work, and uh, and found pay dirt for the Chiefs in this one. Um, did you watch any of uh, Watkins specifically? So um, I saw him break plays? a couple, but I wasn't like specifically focusing on him. It's, I'm just, I'm honestly just seeing like how these dudes are getting open, see all the crazy concepts they do. So, but I mean, it's not too surprising that he was able to do that. I, I remember actually one of a couple of them were crossing routes, and that that did make me think of, um, that made me think of Roby actually, and how he was just kind of out there. So maybe, uh, maybe Watkins running around all over the place made him quit. Yeah, maybe. I know uh, Roby's name came up in terms of uh, someone they thought they were going to move, potentially. So, I mean, he's giving them reasons, to. it sounds like. Uh, but let's talk about the defense with the Chiefs real quick. Um, a couple things that uh, stand out to me. Uh, Chris Jones, good defensive tackle, had a sack. Breland Speaks, rookie out of Ole Miss, was kind of a tweener. I think he's like an outside linebacker for them, kind of a heftier outside linebacker. He had a sack. And then D Ford. Now, I don't know if you remember much about D Ford, um, former high round draft pick, kind of has just been there for the Chiefs as a complimentary player. Three sacks, three sacks against the Broncos. Uh, and um, I haven't watched them super specifically, but just off the top of my head, it's has seemed like Ford has taken his game to a new level um, across from, uh, and I'm totally blanking on his name. I can't believe I am. Not Tom Bahali. Um, Derek, no, not Derek Johnson. Who am I thinking of? The of linebackers? Do you mean um, Justin? Yeah, I'm like 
Justin Houston, yes. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I cannot believe kind of I forgot his name. But Ford, yeah, I mean, he's kind of a big deal. Like, you know, I'll just go to hell for not that. Uh, but, yeah, Ford's been, like, a, actually a good player across from Houston. Um, Houston didn't have a sack in this game. Um, obviously still made an impact, though, that the stats won't reflect. Um, but, yeah, Ford, three sacks, um, coming into his own. Uh, still a scary player coming off that edge, uh, really coming into his own. So um, that's sort of it for the matchups. Um, we talked about the trade. Um, let's get into, we kind of talked about before the show, you know, going over it quickly, uh, division predictions. I mean, what we think the the rest of the season is going to look like, what are the division, division rankings going to look like at the end of the year, and I guess the team's win totals as well outside of the division. So, if you had to say your best guess, go down from top to bottom um, with their division record. And so what you think I do think the that this is going to come down to the Chiefs and the Chargers, and that last game will probably mean a lot. So the Chiefs haven't played the Rams. Um, they also haven't played the same as the Chargers when it comes to Bengals and Ravens and Steelers either. Right, the Chiefs haven't played the Steelers yet, have they? No, I, have I know the, the Ravens, Ravens haven't. Have the, the Chiefs played the Steelers this year? Yeah. Yeah, they played um in the second game oh, of the season, and the Chiefs right. kicked okay. the shit out of them. That's no, I, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, forty-two. Yeah, I'll go back. It's uh, it was forty-two. It was forty-two thirty-seven, but right. that was like after the Chiefs already put up thirty-five right. when they had like it started seven out twenty-one or 10 or something. But um. No, so I think that it, it will come down to that final game. But I, I think the Chiefs will prevail um, just because they're just better better coach, I guess, is the, the best way to say it. So I would say they're, I don't, they're not going to skate through like 13-3, and three, though. Um, I do think they'll get 11-5. and five. I will go Chargers 10-6. Um, I think that they're going to get um, – they're going to continue to be hot this next month, but I think they'll – Probably go 500 in December. And that's how they get there, and probably lose um probably lose an extra one in November. Drop drop one that you know we expect the Chargers to charger. What is Denver at right now? They are oh they they won the first two right and then lost the next four. Yeah, okay. so Denver so they'll, is they'll probably a three win a few five more. Right I do think they will. So I'll, I'll go six and ten for Denver, just because they I mean they they still have a lot of talent on the team, and I imagine. So I've seen Cortland Sutton. He already looks to be adapting. So if they can get, uh, what's his name, the Penn State dude, Deshaun Hamilton, if he can have any sort of con- contribution with the way Lindsey goes, they'll be able to score. It's uh, can they not turn the ball over? So uh, six and ten, and then I don't, I don't know where the Raiders are going to get these wins from. Um, I'll go three and thirteen with the Raiders. What do you got? Yeah, that's what I was feeling as well. Um, so let's see. Starting at the top again, looking at the Chiefs, seven and one. They finished the year. Let me check this out. So from their remaining games, what stands out to me is uh, the Chiefs play the Rams at the Rams, November nineteenth. Um, part of me, gosh, that is such a toss-up of a game. But I want to say the Chiefs lose that. I just think the Rams are. The Rams are just way too good and make all the plays that they need to. Like, they're just doing what every successful team always has to do. Like, just down at the 
the little things um, to win games. So I feel like the Chiefs are going to lose to the Rams. And, um, yikes, man. There's not really a game on here that scares me if I were the Chiefs. Like, I do I think the Chargers will play them better in their second game? God, I hope so. I couldn't imagine them coming out and playing as flat as they did to start the game um, than they did in week one. So in terms of games that I could see them potentially taking a drop, Rams, Chargers, if the Ravens play one of their, you know, good defensive games where their defense is so good it can carry the offense, maybe that. But there's a real good chance that this team goes 14-2 and two or 13-3, um, and three, depending if the Chargers are able to get that. So I'm actually going to go, yeah, let's go a little bit um, ballsy with this. I'm going to say they're 13-3, and three, maybe being a little biased with that, thinking the Chargers are going to take their second one. Um, but I'll go 13-3 because I still think that's a crazy record um, to go no matter what and who you're playing. Um, second, obviously, the Chargers. Uh, five and two, looking at their remaining record. And you're right, like that December is super scary. Um, the next, let's see, one, two, three, four. The next four games are very winnable. Um, we've had the Broncos number, especially last year. Um, no, I can't say that. We actually lost that first matchup, my mistake. But that shutout, I think, still, you know, has them. It's in the back of their heads, let's put it that way. They know they can do it. I think the confidence is there for that. I think they beat the Seahawks, the Raiders. I do think they beat the Broncos. And then I just think the Cardinals, again, um, they're just not a good team. Uh, even with Byron Leftwich coming in at OC and trying to free all those prisoned players like David Johnson, Josh Rosen, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, deserves better, obviously. So we're, here's the hoping Leftwich actually does those guys justice. But I don't think that teams all of a sudden become good enough on both sides of the ball to contend with the Chargers. Um, so if I see them going 4-0 in November, puts them at 9-2, and and then we get to the slate where it's the Steelers, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and then we uh, the team finishes the year with the Broncos. Um, I cannot see the Chargers defense hanging with the weapons like A.B. and Juju Smith-Schuster on the Chargers, I think James Conner is the type of back that the Chargers will hate to play. They've been much better this year about stopping the run, but I just don't see them getting hit in the mouth 30 times by James Conner. And that offensive line is very, very good. So I see them dropping the Steelers. I see them actually winning a close game against the Bengals that's at home. Um. I can't see them beating the Chiefs, regardless of how biased I want to be. Can't see them. Um, <laughs> no, I have to go with that. Damn it! I said they <laughs> said the Chiefs were going to lose to them. Yeah, I screwed up. Okay, my bad. Uh, I have to go with um, the Chiefs losing to the Chargers. But ah, that Ravens game is a very big trap. That's going to be huge. It was flexed out to that Saturday night. Um. I'm going to say after somehow beating the Chiefs, the team is going to be way too just out of it, and they're not going to come down from that high for um, long enough to get ready for the Ravens, and I think that Ravens defense is uh, going to play some very opportunistic ball and um, take advantage of some stupid, stupid mistakes. You talked about possibly charging away 
um, one of these games. I think it could be the one against the Ravens. Um, and then I think they win the Broncos again. So we're at five and two. Let's see, one loss, two loss. Yikes. That's oh, 11. Boy, optimistic. What is that, 12 and four? E. Yeah, but that's weird, man. I didn't think I was being that optimistic, but I would say 12 and four, the highest, obviously best case scenario. Um, 13, oh, what is this? 12 and four, 11 and five. Uh, let's say if they, like you said, drop one of these other games as well, just, you know, for good measure, not trying to be too optimistic and thinking of the shit. Um, so 11 and five potentially 12 and four if just somehow everything goes right okay get past those two we obviously know the afc west champion is going to be between the two um done with those the yeah. broncos you said six and ten right i believe that's correct um i do think they'll win a couple more um just let me take a quick look You're gonna at the win. remaining You're gonna schedule win. who is this they get texans i think that's a lot yeah right Texans, uh, that's a loss. Chargers loss. Steelers loss. Bengals loss. They'll win against the Niners and the Raiders. You know what? Six and ten is right. You're you're very right. They're only gonna beat the Broncos. Or no, they're gonna beat excuse me, the Niners, the Browns, and the Raiders. Those are the only wins I could see them possibly getting um, for the rest of the season. Uh, so six and ten. I'll uh, I'll join you on that one, and then the Raiders. You said three and thirteen. Uh, let's see. Let's count them. One, two. Yep. Wow, you're right. You really nailed these. Cardinals and uh, who did I just see? So Niners and Cardinals are the only games I think are winnable for the Raiders, which would put their record at three and thirteen. Or less. So, yep, let's go three and thirteen as well for the Raiders. So, to repeat that again, we're looking at thirteen and three Chiefs. Let's go eleven and five. Best case scenario, twelve and four Chargers, six and ten Broncos, three and thirteen Raiders. Oh yeah. Well, there's a lot of ball to play. Uh, if we're just being honest, it's fun to do the predictions. There's uh there's so much ball left to be played, and we've seen some horrible stuff from this team. Um, we can't, you know, rely on anything. We can't trust anything. Um, let's just try and enjoy it as the year comes um, to us. So I think that is everything. Kyle, any last thoughts about any of these AFC West teams and uh, what just happened this week? Or, uh, you know what, let's do it. Let's do it on this podcast. Cause I actually don't think, um, I may or may not get to be able to do the one on Saturday, which is uh, almost game day. And if we do it, fine. But I want to do it with Kyle while I have him here because uh, I'm really stoked that he even joined the show in the first place. So real quick, we the Chargers play the Seahawks. Um, real quick rundown. How do you think the game's going to go? I think go? it'll be high scoring. And, I think uh, uh, Russ is going to run around and make a bunch of plays. And their big receivers and big tight ends are going to make the Chargers secondary look bad. But I also think the Chargers are going to be able to move the ball, too. They, um, they've been explosive against everybody. There's there's hasn't been a defense that stopped them. They're the only ones that's really stopped themselves. So um, I do think that it will be a high-scoring game. I don't think I've decided on 
who's going to win yet? I'm really not sure. I haven't. I don't think I've looked into them enough. I thought I was thinking about uh, watching the game here soon, that Seahawks Lions game, just to get a better feel for them. But I do know that both offenses are very good. Um, it'll be close. I know the Chargers are underdogs, which is interesting. Just um, I know they're on the road, so it's not. I guess too big of a surprise, but so. Yeah, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I go back and look at the, the Seahawks schedule so far. They've played a lot of the lower-tier teams, so Lions, Raiders, uh, Cardinals, Cowboys. But they've played the Broncos, which is a, an above-average defense, the Bears, which is a good defense, and obviously the Los Angeles Rams. And you saw, if you remember the Rams-Seahawks game, I mean, that was a 33-31 thriller that the Seahawks almost pulled off. So we know this team's capable of putting up points. We know this team's capable of hanging uh, with the best of the best. But uh, most of their games, you know, 28-14 Lions this past week, 27-3 over the Raiders, 20-17 over the Cardinals, 24-13 Cowboys, 27-24 the Broncos did beat the Seahawks in the the first week of the playoffs. Um, So the Seahawks' points are roughly between that – 24 to 17 range so they don't put up a ton of points but you know they're probably good for a couple touchdowns and and i think that's going to happen against the chargers i think like you said russell wilson is going to be able to run around and make some plays that are uh, probably going to cause some people to tear their hair out um but he is such a good quarterback and especially at eluding the rush and with the lack of finishing in the tackling of the chargers that obviously spells disaster so yeah um, I think there's a potential for it to be high scoring. I believe the Chargers will be able to put up a fair amount of points. Um, I do think the Chargers are going to win this. They should win this. And I hate saying that they should win this because just fucking never know. But my final score, uh, I have, have 31 27 where... Chargers. Have we gotten to the and point where way closer. they're good enough to say, they should win this even on the road? That's that's interesting. Oh, this is yeah. at CenturyLink, isn't it? E. Okay. I'm, I'm going to add a, speci- uh, a specific thing to this. Um, yes, I think the Chargers are going to win. I'll take back the should win because I didn't realize they were at CenturyLink, and obviously it's one of the loudest stadiums, uh, if not the loudest stadium in the NFL. And we've seen what this team, I guess, loudness, the noise, crowd noise, um, communication between Philip Rivers and the line and, and the receivers and all that stuff. Like We've seen it uh, get hampered and limited by crowd noises, and I've seen Philip Rivers get frustrated because he couldn't get all the information he wanted to to his, uh, his teammates prior to the snap. I've seen him you know, yell after timeouts and stuff that they had to take because they just couldn't hear or anything like that. So I can see actually a good number of those plays happening and causing some really bad momentum shifts in the game, which keeps this game way closer than most Charger fans would like it to be. So I like the final score of 31-27. I think this might be one where um, it's 27-24, maybe late in the game, and has everyone freaking out, and the Chargers are able to get a score up and possibly maintain the lead. Um, I think it's going to be a thriller. I think it's going to be closer than people think. And, and yeah, uh, a lot of those watching are going to be, you know, on the edge of their seats. All right. So I think that is it, everyone. 
Um, this has been fantastic. I'm glad we finally got back to uh, recording one of these. Again, we apologize for missing the last couple of weeks. Sometimes real life takes over, but uh, we're going to do our damnedest to get you guys the stuff that you're looking for and want to listen to. So, um, again, this has been Michael Peterson. You can follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. Hey, guys, you can follow um, me at Kyle. KP tell them about your social media. Show. Wonderful. All right, guys, we will be back next Wednesday. Um, if Stanley still isn't back, if Kyle would love to grace our presence once again, we can do this again and have an even better time. Other than that, it might just be me. Who knows? But um, thank you guys Thanks, for listening guys. and can't wait to be back next Wednesday. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.